Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kill Kenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast. And today I am really ramped up because of the topic and my fabulous guest, Tara Eshren Roder. Tara is a yoga teacher, self published author, and a certified life coach and mentor. Teaching was Tara's dharma long before she realized it, for she grew up with a bow and arrow in her hand, so I can't wait to hear about that, learning to pull back with just enough aim and control to send her arrow out into the abyss, knowing and trusting it would hit its mark. Tara teaches workshops, classes, and she has a beautiful way of weaving profound teachings into all her writings, her classes, of which I took one recently, and there's just so much that I am looking forward to getting into with this author, teacher, poetess, Tara. So Tara, welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Mm, Thank you, Kilkenny. It's truly an honor to be here and to have been available for every single dot that was connected to bring us here together. Well, I'm so excited to hear your definition of what it means to be a modern mystic with our intention to talk about rewilding, which is one of your specialties. The print on my paper wasn't big enough by my assistant. (laughs) So when I was reading your bio, I didn't get to that word rewilding, but that's okay because it's just, you know, we're going with the flow and that's part of, of wildness. So what does it mean to you, Tara, to be a modern mystic? Mm, I love that question. And thank you for the invitation to lean in. And so to be a modern mystic, I was listening to to your words, one of the first podcasts on your platform, which is such a beautiful platform. Thank you for having the courage to, to live your own truth out loud, Kilkenny. And for honoring that. Something that you said was that a modern mystic has not forgotten the ancient wisdom that each one of us is a part of something greater than ourselves and that we are not separate, right? And also speaking to the way that the modern mystic nourishes connection. And this is something that is an essential piece of my daily rhythms and devotion is connection, connection to self, connection to source, and connection to others, And I feel that a modern mystic goes to the quiet places to listen on purpose and pays attention to these doors. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, the author of Women Who Run With Wolves, speaks of these doors. And she says that the doors to the world of the wild self are few but precious. She says if you have a deep scar that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. 
If you love the sky and the water so much that you almost cannot bear it, that is a door. If you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. And the modern mystic unapologetically puts themselves into spaces and places where they can be available for these doorways, where they can be available for that connection with self, with source, with others. And so they can be available to the whisperings of the soul and of the wild that don't even come from something that you can grasp for and will miss it if we're not paying attention. Mm, Such an eloquent answer. And truly, it's part of why I wanted to invite you on here because of your verbal prowess. I love what you said early on in your answer. I love all of your answer, but I want to start there because I think it's so much of the malady of being human and what it is to be walking upon this earth at this moment in history and time and history and space. And you talked about being a modern mystic and, and that word connection and the connection to self, to source, to others. And I think that is so much of the suffering when people do not feel that connection to source, to self, to others. They sound so basic. And yet when you work with people, as I know you and myself do, and I hear from listeners even, right, the, the sadness, the depression, the anxiety so often goes back to one of these three three things, and sometimes all of them, you know, that lack of either to self, that lack of connection to source, that lack of connection to others. You know, we're in this age where we're more connected to everyone in a certain kind of way, and then that, of course, in another kind of way, two sides to the coin can actually lead a lot of people to feel extremely isolated. So it's a really, really gorgeous and profound answer that part of the mysticism is making our way back to connections with those three aspects of life, which is a tall order in this day and age, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kilkenny, it it makes me think of, are you familiar with John O'Donohue and his writing? Yeah, oh, John O'Donohue, are you kidding, right? The the Celtic, (laughs) my Celtic roots and ancestors are jumping up and down. Yes, I love him so much, his work. (laughs) I had a feeling. I don't like to make assumptions, but I had a feeling. And you may have heard part of one of his pieces, and he he reminds us that the body knows that we belong. It's our minds that make our lives so homeless. And he goes on to speak about this, we're, we're all seeking belonging, right? Going back to this idea of connection. And he goes on to say that the art of belonging is the recovery of the wisdom of rhythm, right? And, and we have these natural intelligent rhythms that are literally singing forth our existence every day, all day, and at night when we go to sleep. We're not talking to our breath and our heart before we close our eyes at night and say, all right, friends, let's keep going, right? Like we, we trust in this wisdom of rhythm that is a reminder of the connection that weaves us all together, right? And that's not to say that our minds are, are bad things, 
right? But when we only move through life from a place of thought as opposed to connecting with our instincts, connecting with our intuition, which our breath and our heartbeat are a direct reminder of, we forget of this belonging that we literally breathe, (laughs) right? You belong because you breathe. So our bodies know that we belong. So powerful, so powerful. So let's talk about this because you're starting to, you know, unpack this these beautiful ideas of what I think of, of rewilding. But you're talking about just to clarify for the listeners, the idea of syncing up with the rhythms. A, your own body. So let's start there, and maybe you can give some really concrete and practical tips for people listening that they can do so to help birth a feeling of belonging, right? Because that's the intention, as the poet said. And then from there, let's go into then practices and moment to moment life and maybe some actions to do so. How does that sound? Oh, I love it. I love this conversation so much. (laughs) Yay! I love it already too. So yeah, so what are some ways that you offer to help people sync up with their bodies? Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like there are all these ideas tapping on my shoulder right now that want to be given (laughs) voice. And so where I'm going to continue with this answer, begin with this answer, continue with this conversation is how we start our days. Right? Yes. Word. Yes. (laughs) We live in the midst of a world that is begging for us to be distracted. Right. And and I will absolutely take full ownership for the way that for the majority of my life, I started my day hitting the ground running. I was just staying at my at my parents house for the last week. And (laughs) my sister in law was in the bathroom one morning and uh, it was we had a full house. And this was the house where I spent a good good portion of my childhood And my brother and sister and I shared a bathroom too. So like you can imagine the mornings were crazy, right? So it was like the alarm goes off, like you get up, you run to the bathroom to get there first. And, you know, so, and, and so much of our culture is, is this way, right? We, we wake up, we get on our device, we start to responding to all the people. We look at the to-do list and have we even acknowledge the fact that we're breathing, right? Have we, have we even taken a moment to acknowledge the season that's happening outside of our window based on what we hear, right? Have, have we taken a moment to actually taste what we're nourishing our bodies with in the morning? If we're taking the time to even acknowledge if we're hungry or thirsty, Right. Mm. And so on and so forth. So it's literally, how are we starting our days? Right. And so as I, as I shared, I I did spend a good majority of (laughs) my existence hitting the ground running. Right. And, and I'll never forget actually Kilkenny. It was at Floyd yoga jam that I was practicing with Twee Merrigan, who I believe she's based in Colorado. And I remember her sharing with us part of the way that she started her day. And it literally started with 30 seconds. So friends, if you're like 
hearing, oh my gosh, I am currently starting my day with hitting the ground running and I have no idea where to even begin. Well, literally 30 seconds. This is this is where I started. And so what she shared with us was the first thing that she does in the morning is she pauses. She pauses and then she realizes she's in a body. And then she takes her hands and she kisses her fingertips and she starts at the top of her head and literally makes contact with her body all the way down to the tips of her toes in gratitude. And then she would take her middle finger, touch it to the floor and then touch it to her third eye center to ground herself, right? Literally 30 seconds to acknowledge I'm in a body, right? So this word being embodied (laughs) comes to mind, right? Coming back to the animal of our body. Mary Oliver refers to, she reminds us, you don't have to be good, right? You don't have to check off every to-do on that list. All you have to do is allow the soft animal of your body to love what it loves, And so very often we hear this word wild, right? And we think of gnashing of teeth and crashing of lightning and thunder and big, loud, epic things. And yes, that's absolutely wild. And so is the fact that our heart is beating inside of our bodies and we've never read an instruction manual, right? So is the fact that as we're sleeping outside these beautiful beings are are weaving these webs that come forth from inside of them and it's it's silent right this also is wild this intelligence that lives within each and every one of us that goes unnoticed and unrecognized if we don't pause to pay attention mm. So many profound points and you know when you're speaking I'm really I just keep hearing the word like primal because so much of our modern day society encourages us to dance on like the periphery. You know, it's like we're skating on top of the surfaces of things. I have this image right now. And what you're speaking of, it can sound so simple. But yet, if you really are listening, how many times in the day do you breathe? How many times in the day do you feel your own heartbeat? I mean, just those two practices alone, if you're listening, challenge yourself to do one of those for seven days in a week. Challenge yourself to do both of them and you will feel shifted. You will feel connected in a really, really profound primal way. And you'll feel more grounded and you'll feel more anchored. I love the story you told about the one teacher and I'm laughing and I was laughing because when I, I do all these things, like like when I before my feet hit the earth, like my kids laugh. I was showing my one oldest child recently, like all the like the, because he's now in college, and so I was showing him like my my glow up version because it just keeps expanding, you know, and it's to the point now. And those listening who have young kids, it can be so challenging, and I live that because I have three kids, you know, when they're young to then try to get up before them. And it might have to be abbreviated, like you're saying, Tara. It's so beautiful. You know, it can be 30 seconds. It can be a minute. It doesn't have to be a lot. But now my kids are older and my whole, my practice is like, I'm like up in the morning, you know, like on a weekend, like I'll I'll be up for two and a half hours sometimes, three hours. Like I'm doing so many things. But the one thing I do without fail, and the first thing I think of is always, I am 
more spirit than body. So I, it's so funny. It's like almost like the opposite of your friend. Like that's the first thought I practice. But like I'm a psychic medium. I do all this like very deep energetic work lately, particularly I've been called to do. And then after that, I do a few other things, but then my feet touch the floor and then I do the same thing. Like I touch, I start with my head and I touch and I say different affirmations to each body part to then sort of take spirit and then ground it in, into my body. So I love what you shared and she shared. And there's so many ways that you can create a custom ritual, so to speak, or a custom. It's really just setting the energy of your day and reminding yourself who the truth is of who you really are. You know, that's how I think about it. And it's also helping direct your mind. So it's like using the mind as your friend to be a supporting actor in your journey and the unfoldment of the drama of your life in the highest way. There's so many beautiful things you can do in the morning, but listeners who are contemplating this, just, you know, key, don't check your phone first thing because you're trying to really lift your vibration you're trying to really align with a high vibration of truth and like Tara said so beautifully really get embodied and so it's just so important to take a few moments not on technology take a few moments look out the window think about the elements think about the directions that's another thing I do I honor each direction and so there are lots of different tactics you can do and you can make your own 30 second situation you can make it you know much longer like me because I do meditation yoga but it's a really beautiful thing to perform the same thing every morning because then the psyche and the body get into a rhythm you know when we do patterns and practices we invite ourselves into a very intentional rhythm and get very clear about what we're manifesting and who and how we're serving can be really, really profound in the morning time for sure. And Kilkenny, I really love how you reminded our listeners that that it's okay if you don't have two hours, right? Because I'm right there with you now, Kilkenny. Mine started as 30 seconds. Now it's about two hours before <laughs> I'm available for <laughs> communication of, of any kind, right, that, that requires a device because I'm communicating in other ways. And so it can look like 30 seconds, literally, and it can look like three hours as well, right? And I also love how you spoke to making it yours. This is going to look different for everybody. And I don't know about you, Kilkenny, but my morning embodiment practice has shifted and changed over the years. And even to, to this summer, it's it shifted drastically in the most beautiful way. So to answer your question, currently what this looks like for me is getting up before the sun. So when it's when it's very quiet. And then my phone has been on do not disturb for hours because it goes on the night before so that I can allow my nervous system <laughs> to settle and put devices down. So it looks like getting up slowly. And I like to put on soft music sometimes, it depends. And when I do, it's usually like a drone sort of sound. Like there's one in particular that I've been listening to a lot in the morning, Starling Arrow, which is Rising Appalachia and some other beautiful humans. And it's this song called Midnight Hum. And I just will loop this 
I loop it on airplanes as well. It's just, oh my gosh, it's like a massage for your nervous system. So put on sometimes uh, some soft music. And then I, I read from Mark Nepo's Book of Awakening, a daily devotional book. And I've been going through it. This is like the third or fourth year now. And then I have a journal that I open up for my morning morning reflection. And I, I ask out loud, I say, Dear God, Great Spirit, what would you have me know today? And I sit and I listen. And sometimes it's a few words. Sometimes it's a lot more than a few words, <laughs> right? But there's no attachment to what is supposed to, to show up on the piece of paper. So then I slowly have some nourishment, uh, have some coffee and really allow myself to, to taste the, the coffee. And then I put my bed away, I get some clothes on, and then I go outside without any devices, without any headphones, anything. And, and I go outside for usually 45 minutes to an hour, and I wander. And when I go outside, I'll reflect, I'll check in to see if I remember any dreams that I had. I do a lot of of work with my dreams. And I have some exercises that I'll take myself through, some curiosity about dreams that I may have had the night before. And I ask myself, how do I want to feel today as I'm outside? And I listen to what comes from here. It's not here, right? How do I want to feel today? So I can take that with me throughout my day and, and continue to check in with myself. And every day is different. I will see squirrel friends, sometimes bears here in Appalachia, depending on where I am. Just had some giraffe encounters when I was having my morning wanders in the South African bush, right? So it depends on where I am and it requires paying attention, right? And and it doesn't have to be these yeah. big, beautiful beings either. Sometimes it's a new bird sound that I notice or a bug or one of my, one of my favorite things to do in the morning here, especially is save worms. If I see worms on the greenway where they might mm -hmm. get stepped on, I'll put them back in the grass where they won't get stepped on and <laughs> they won't dry out. And um, yeah, so, so that is minimum 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes longer. And then I, We'll yeah. come back inside and have some more, some more to eat, some more nourishment. And then when I feel completely centered and within my gravity, right, I've, I've checked in with my, that connection with self, right, that is both physical, embodied, and spiritual. I have connected with source, which for me is ex accessed in, in nature, and in silence. And so then I can, from a place of within my own gravity, begin to connect with others, whether that is in all of the many forms of ways to communicate now, right? And, and I'm, I'm doing this, I'm coming at this from a place of that wisdom of rhythm, from waking with the sun to listening to cues of hunger, of thirst, of what my body needs to do. And in having a conversation first and foremost with that soft animal and providing it what it loves and allowing myself to be unavailable 
for rushing and for urgency unless someone is truly in danger, including myself, right? Yeah. So thank you for asking and curious what some of your morning rituals. Well, I love the, this term, you know, of what you're speaking of, wildness and rewilding, because it's become such a popular term, I feel like. And there's always wisdom when terms and themes become prevalent. And yet when you just said and articulated, you know, unless it's urgent, it's actually slowing down. Because I think so much of that word wildness, we think, oh, it's, you know, and you, you alluded to it earlier, like scratching or, or being, you know, roaring or all these things, which it can be too. But really so much of life, if you're, you know, in the West, she and I are anchored in the United States, you know, is this ridiculous patriarchal rushed pace so the wildness at times is counter to that and it's the slowing down and it's not responding and not reacting unless it's appropriate and you know feeding and supporting someone else in the way of urgency and necessity or oneself but it's very revolutionary to be doing quite the opposite in the morning i love how you spoke of with yourself thinking about, and the listeners can do this for themselves when thinking about the morning, what connects them to the remembrance of their heartbeat? What connects them to the remembrance of their breath? You know, I do breath work every morning. That's part of my practice to answer your question. What connects them to align their mind. You write. It's just so beautiful. I have a gratitude journal and I write things at night, but I don't generally write in the morning. If I have a very luxurious morning or on vacation or once in a while I do, but that's like my main, not my main practice. Because for me, it's so much about connecting to source. And unless I'm trying to really work at some challenge in my life or question that's kind of blocking things, and then I'll write. I don't write because I find myself, I'm very mental and, and very into words. And so, yeah, it's not the way really in for me necessarily to start the day in the very deep grounded space. But I love that you do that. And I know a lot of people do that. You're going on nature. Like I always, you know, I'm talking about and such a fan of making sure people do this and get outside every day. I try to do it in the morning too. Sometimes life requires not, but I always am outside and I always let the sun or the clouds or whatever the weather is, but the sun is always shining, always have a couple minutes where my face is hitting the sun and I'm looking at nature. But during the day, listeners can think of some of these things and you might be the person who's on the abbreviated. You're on the nursing version where you have 30 seconds at best in the morning. So you can make a checklist like Tara and I do that serves you and you just think, okay, let me try to hit each one of these at some point throughout the day. If you're some like high power executive that just literally can't do it, or you're some nursing mother or, you know, that you just, but you make a clear list, perhaps it's coming to me, make a brainstorm and thinking, okay, body, heart, mind, what are three practices that very quickly invite me into my body, my heart or mind and align them. And then you make sure that you do them in a day. Like you schedule them like you would an appointment and then you make sure they happen. So, I mean, I'd be here for 10 hours telling you everything I do and, and I want to keep going because I want to hear about you. But, you know, right now, 
like I said, I'm just so grateful to practices. And I just feel like they're the life raft. And I have no idea how anyone does not do practices. <laughs> and if you're listening and you're a functioning human being, I applaud you. If you're not doing practices, you're listening to this podcast, so you're probably doing something. <laughs> but when I say practices, I mean some kind of repeated action that connects you to the truth of who you are and the capital self with a capital S. We talked about personal things we can do. And we talked a little bit about actions. Is there anything else you want to share like throughout your day? I mean, I just feel like I live ritual and then I try to squeeze in everything else in my life. But what are other things that you like to pepper throughout your day? Mm, That's a great question, Kilkenny. And it's so helpful too, to have these conversations to keep myself accountable in my own daily devotions. And yeah, so to stay connected to that soft animal, that wild throughout the day, it it really depends on where I am for specifics. And then there are certain threads that I feel weave in throughout regardless. So some include being outside as much as possible. Um, I was sharing before we started recording, I was outside (laughs) for this conversation and some lovely humans started doing some construction next door and there were power tools and that didn't feel very conducive (laughs) for concentrating. (laughs) So being outside as much as possible, I have a sweet little setup that I've made on my back porch here in Asheville. And then often when I'm traveling there will be places where I can set up a little outside space for work time. And then if I am leading a retreat or presenting at a festival, that's pretty much mostly outside. So outside. Right. That's the beauty of those. Yes, absolutely. If I'm not able to be outside for a majority of the day, it could literally be going back to that 30 second thing, right? So maybe listener, you're you're living in the middle of a city, right? And it can be challenging to find nature. We also forget that cities, right? And these places where people have built up buildings and concrete are built upon nature, right? It literally is everywhere. So maybe it's taking off your shoes and putting your feet in the grass or in the dirt. And if there's no grass or dirt, taking off your shoes and just feeling the air between your toes, right? Some way to get outside. Maybe that's not accessible. Maybe there's a rock. I have pieces of nature all over my treehouse. So when I'm inside, I can be be connected, right? Another tool that I use is I literally set an alarm on my phone to remind me to check in with my body, right? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Right? To remind me to get a snack, right? Because I'm, I like to say I have a very sparkly brain, (laughs) right? There's lots (laughs) of squirrels and sparkles that run around in there all day. And I, I get very focused with, with what I'm engaged in, right? So it can be easy for me to forget these these messages that my body is giving me. So that's a really helpful tool that I also will use throughout the day. And if I have a very scheduled day back to back, making sure that just as much that I am scheduling in, 
I'm also incorporating time for pause, for transition, for exhale, for integration between each thing that I'm doing. And, and I love how you also alluded to your gratitudes at the end of the day. I, I also have a practice, a writing practice for, for the end of the day where I write down gratitudes and sunflowers, which I call moments of joy. So little moments of joy throughout my day. I write one thing that I'm proud of and I write down an affirmation what this practice provides. And I imagine you can relate to this too, Kilkenny. Once you get in this rhythm of this devotion of reflecting on your gratitudes and moments that brought you joy throughout your day, is even on the most challenging days when the last thing that you want to do is look for something to be grateful for, right? You know that at the end of the day, that journal is going to come out. Right. So it makes you that much more open to noticing these moments, to noticing these things that that bring you joy. Right. And and by putting ourselves in the way of that, which brings us joy, that also brings us back to our gravity. That also brings us back to our own birthright to thrive And what this does is this disrupts these well-worn grooves of habitual thinking and and ways that that aren't serving the soft animal within. Those are some ways. (laughs) There are so many things to say, and I love what you spoke of. And I talk about this a lot, and that's why I'm letting you speak more, because throughout many of my episodes, I'm speaking about different things, and I don't want to repeat myself so much, but I record the podcast, and I work in the city two days a week, and just getting outside, you know, again, it seems so simple, but then I work with coaching clients and like people can't get themselves outside. So it's like, there's so many things like we know intellectually would be good for us as adults. And yet a lot of us aren't really doing them. And it can be a game changer. Like you said, you know, I just walk, I just leave my office and I walk around the block and I come back, you know, but as much as you can getting yourself outside as you said, for as many minutes of the day, even if it's at night, you take a moonwalk, you just right before bed, you go out and for three minutes, let the, you know, in the, the yogic tradition, which you and I are both of the, that lineage, like you, Salma, it's called in Sanskrit, the liquid moonlight, and you let the moonlight hit your face. All these things that our ancestors did since time immemorial, and we're doing up until you could argue the industrial revolution, what, 150 years ago, right? We, it is in our DNA. It is in our soul cellular makeup to get activated and inspired and then wild, you know, because to me, so much about wildness, when you talk about rewilding and this practice of rewilding is about joy, is about they're very intrinsically connected, I think. And so sometimes it's about that beautiful Mary Oliver quote, right? The softness, that animal of our being, right? We have to tend to that softness because we live in this kind of, you know, hard patriarchal place and environment. And so often the wildness is first revolting against that, creating the revolution, which contains the word love backwards. So check that out, right? And love ourselves and love our lives and love on in a soft way, And then other times we, and I feel like once we do that, then we can come from this place of connection and remembrance 
And then we can bring more wildness into our life and meaning not anarchy, but wildness in the reclamation of joy and the reclamation of wonder, right? Because that's the radical act in the mystical tradition. What is the holy grail and the the practice? What is the journey and the destination? So part of it is just like getting back out into nature. Our ancestors were in nature, you know, all of the time up until recently. And it's so much a part of nurturing that that soft animal of who we are. And like you said, the sips of water, the snacks, like it, it took me to have, it really was like my early thirties until I really put together and I have very loving, wonderful parents. And yet somehow I missed the messaging about like, oh, like sometimes I need to have a little snack. Sometimes my radically emotional state can be cured with a half a glass of lemon water, <laughs> you know? So again, it's something that like seemingly so simple, but are we really doing it? I love that you set a timer to check into your body's needs. That's a great hack. It's a really beautiful teaching. And I think a lot of people could benefit from that. You can do the same thing with setting a timer and once an hour, listen to your breath or practice a 30 second breath practice. Or maybe you listen to your pulse, you know, you take your pulse and listen to the rhythms or feel the fluid and the rhythms in your body for 30 seconds. You know, so all those things are, are mystic hacks, I like to call them, that people can do. And I love what you spoke of with uh, the gratitude journal at night. And that's why I love to do it at night. I've done it different times of the day, but I, I had read that and I really have found and concur with what you shared, that it trains your brain to look for the things during the day. If you know and anticipate, you're going to be writing them at night, particularly on more challenging days. So that, that was really, really, really so helpful. And, you know, I have, if you look at my desk right here where I am, I've got like my rocks that I have um, for grounding and I've got like my firestone and I've got lavender and sprays and all sorts of like things here in front of me. So those accoutrements that remind us of our own unique intentions, you know, those accoutrements that we can bring into our life. In my car, I have a Rumi poem that's propped up and I have some beautiful like branches from the beach where I love to walk. So taking these things in nature right in front of me, I've got chestnuts that I picked off the city street because it's fall here in the Northern Hemisphere. And they're lined up along with a piece of blue sea glass I found at the beach I go to. So we can take these things of nature or things that take us to our soul and our source and externalize them. And that's really another profound thing I think that can really support the wilding and the remembrance. We're recording video these days. So if you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, it's new, check it out. But when it records, sometimes the, the, the screen goes on and off. So I was just checking. So now let's talk a, a little bit more because you and I met at a festival where we were both teaching and that festival is wild in the more traditional sense, wild, you know, where you're on like a mountaintop and there's like <laughs> fire pits and we're like chanting and dancing. And, you know, so let's talk about wildness now, once we're connected, once we're doing all our things that remind us of that soft, beautiful animal and truth of who we are and our skill sets and our propensities. So then it becomes being wilder in the classical sense, you know, and so rejecting certain things, being a little 
crazy and aligned way. So I want to hear your definition first and let's, let's launch from there in the way of the wildness, more traditional lioness, lion style. Mm, yeah, sure. My definition of wildness is again, Clarissa is, do you know this book here? I have it right here. <laughs> the women who run with wolves. Do you know it's this? So book? phenomenal. Oh yes. Yeah. My dear, dear, neighbor gave it to me who is like my parents best friend when I was a teenager and it's just if you haven't read that book listeners it's like the canon particularly for people who identify as female of wildness fascinating I, sh- I want to reread it again thank you for reminding me because it's probably been like 20 <laughs> sure. years or something since I've looked at it yeah yeah, and I, I feel that to, to speak to your question, this definition of wild is I feel that it's 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 all inclusive, right? There is the wild that is this soft animal of your body, right? And there is the wild that is dancing like a banshee around a fire pit. And there is wild that's howling at the moon, right? When it's full. And there, there is wild that is refusing to brush your hair and running from the hairbrush when you're eight years old, (laughs) right? Like it can come in so many forms. There is, there is the wild of, I've uh, mentioned earlier for a good portion of August, I was actually in in the South African bush and in the wild that there's another word that, that you said is it's remembering, right? The, the deep remembering that there is this primal rising up of energy that as humans, we so often quell and it all belongs the soft, the downy feathers, right? The, the quiet, the, the lightning bug lighting up its whole body, the silence, right? And the glow. And there's, there's also the primal scream that also belongs. And it's so interesting how society depicts this, right? Like if we, if we rest too much, we're lazy. If we're too loud, we're too much, right? There's a poem that's coming to me that is entitled You. That, that I wrote years ago that essentially speaks to, it's, it's a poem of inquiry, right? To, to coming back to our senses, right? What, what makes you feel alive? How are you being when, when time disappears, right? And this is truly an art to be unapologetically you when the wild is that soft space to land, when the wild is unapologetically howling, at the moon, right? And and it's not this splintered part. They, these aren't splintered parts of us, right? This is all a part of what makes us up as humans, right? And I appreciate the way that that you alluded to, especially if you're in a identify as a female, women who run with wolves. And this is not just about being an identifying female. This lives within all of us right? We all have the masculine in us. We all have the feminine in us, right? And to honor every part of what is wild is an art. And that's going to look different for every single being on this planet. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that answered your question. Yes, completely. I love it. No, and, and it's it's so true. It's It's just the continual gift of this modern age. And that's why I love modern mysticism 
and that word modern because the gift and the boon and the blessing in the part of the world where we live, and, and I honor that there's a certain amount of privilege that comes from that completely, the ability to really almost curate our spirituality in a sense, you know, the, the ability to really, or at least the practices around, like you said, what excites our soul or what lights us up and really following that, you know, paying attention to, as you said, what illuminates you, you know, what makes you feel excited at the deepest level of your being and paying attention to that. I think also a great thing to pay attention to because I mean, so many people I feel like are repressed and it's a really interesting line to walk, particularly when we're speaking about spiritual traditions and mysticism, because if you are a part of a certain lineage, you know, that emanates from an old school type of situation, then it can be a real dance to find where you land within that lineage and to honor that lineage and yet to bring your modernness to it. And I loved how you said it's, we have to really accept it all. And the part of us, like with feelings, there's the angry part of us. There's the sad part of us, the same thing. There's the wild part of us. There's the soft part of us. There's the, you know, the worker, the, this, the, that, and really, really opening up our, understanding of who we are really allowing ourselves to feel the full spectrum of life I know sometimes even like envy when I'm working with people I'll have people really go into envy you know and I'm a tantric yogi a tantrika and so the the feelings are a, a way in they're not considered something to eradicate I'm not um you know a classical yogi in that way and so and and that's a more quote-unquote wild yoga like it's a more off the beaten path path within the yogic world and going towards envy sometime and the feelings of envy can actually be like a signpost to our wildness because it's like oh that person's doing that how could they oh that person's wearing you know how could she be like that how could she be doing and all of a sudden when we pull on those threads more deeply it's like oh because I want to be doing that right so it's so fascinating, you know, the different feelings. Do you think that there are any other feelings? There's, you know, what excites you, what lights you up, of course. Envy can be an indicator. What are other feelings on the spectrum that you think can help bring us to our reclamation of our own wildness? Mm, that's a really good question. What other feelings? I was looking over at my books again. It's not there. It's up on my in my other little bookshelf, Atlas of the Heart. Are you familiar with Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown? Do you follow any I of her am. work? I'll put these in the yeah. show notes for people because I love your writer. I was a lit major. Um, and so <laughs> even when I heard you speak the first time, I was like, that's part of what I loved about you. You're citing all the quotes and the writers. Yeah. So oh, tell, tell folks. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I love the way that she she's narrowed down these different emotions to, I believe, 83 different emotions. And it's a, it's a beautiful book, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether it is envy, whether it is sadness, whether it is grief, whether it is love, every single one of these is a signpost, right? When you think about an actual signpost, right? There lies therein a choice. 
right? We can go down that path or not to explore what's beyond the signpost or not, right? And so we as humans, we're absolutely insane. We are the only beings on this planet that try to make ourselves something that we're not <laughs> or try to ignore something that we're feeling. You know, if you if you witness a lion in the African bush that's hungry, it's going to do something to feed its hunger. Right? <laughs> like if you witness a mama with her baby elephant, you are going to witness her absolute unapologetic desire to protect this little being, devotion, right? We as humans are the only beings on this planet that suppress what we feel. Kudos to Brene for narrowing it down to 83, right? Because every single (laughs) one of these emotions (laughs) mm -hmm, is an invitation back to our wild, right? To explore. And so then what is coming to me is this the difference between this socialized self, Martha Beck talks of the social self and the essential self, right? So this essential mm-hmm. self, this is our wild self. This is that deep remembering that you were referring to before. We all are born this way. We come out of our mother's womb singing, right? Because we need to be taken care of, right? It is this primal scream, There is no single human that can deny that this is a part of them. It's then covered up by layers and layers and layers and expectations of society, right? And that's not to say that the essential self is only good and the the social self is only bad. The social self allowed us to show up for this conversation on time. The, The social self reminds us to pay our rent. The social self is created this thing called money so that we can shop at farmer's markets and Trader Joe's, right? Like it's not all bad either way, right? And so there is this balance that we as humans can lean into exploring that requires not only living in your body and not only living in your mind, and allowing for a conversation to happen between the two. Yes. So good. So good. Yeah. Because I think it's sometimes like people feel like, and even when you talked about your writing practice source, which you have to tell me, I thought of Liz Gilbert, because I know she does that. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Gilbert, who wrote You Pray Love. And it's such a beautiful yes, practice. And from. I think like sometimes people hear wilding or rewilding, and then they think, oh, I have to pull Liz Gilbert. Like I have to leave my partner and leave the country and question everything and and give everything up. And like, of course, for some people, it is that they are faced and they have to rub up against the edges of all the conditioning and realize nothing in their life is actually anything creative that they thought of, (laughs) nor what they want to do. But I think most people, like you said, the wilding and the rewilding is a balance and an exploration and it becomes much more subtle and It's a process that requires a lot of discernment. It requires a lot of paying attention. And I think it requires slowness back to your mornings and my mornings and and the practice of slowness to do so. Because for most of us, if we're just like, oh, wild, and then we just like, screw it, I'm going to leave my job or my person or, you know, whatever, 
that's not really it either. It's like you said, a balance of questioning, right? Asking the questions, doing the contemplations, thinking about your own conditioning. And then in my experience, then I come back to, oh yeah, some of this isn't mine and it's not original, but it's karmic and it feels good. And so that's okay. Then I choose it, but I choose it from a place of having thought about it, not from a place of unconsciousness. You know, and so I think that's part of the, the rewilding is the consciousness, is the bringing the complete examined life to everything. And then some of it you might reject. Some of it you might change. Some of it you might, you know, like you said, it depends on the season of life and, and what you're doing. But it's how can we tap into the authenticity of who we are and, like, you and I spoke of, there's so many practices because that's what they do, right? When we do the things in the morning, when we do the things in the middle of the day, you know, when we align with nature, I mean, nature is completely vibrating at a frequency of truth, just like the lion who wants to eat and the, you know, we go out to see the moon. So if we align with all these things, right away, we're aligning with our essential self or our wild self, whatever you want to call it in semantics. But right away, you're coming and anchoring yourself from a place like at the beginning of conversation, you said of connectedness. And then when we're connected, it really allows us to live from this place of rewilding, don't you think? Of real knowing. Absolutely. Because then we can evaluate things and really know how we feel about them. Yes, from a place of what you mentioned, discernment, right? Which requires a pause. I feel like discernment is this is that a combination. It's allowing both the mind and the body to have a conversation and using them both as powerful yeah. tools. Yeah, I know you you speak about that um, when you work with your students and your clients. What are some ideas about working with oneself that our listeners can take away with them to listen to their own either bodies or minds? Like what are some other ways that people can practice this that you offer? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. There are many, right? And, and one that's coming to me right now is we all know what it feels like. Or if you, if you don't know, right, this is a practice. Say yes to yourself three times out loud and then say it again. Notice how it feels in your body. This is a practice that listeners feel free to try this in your own time, right? So say yes out loud three times and then say yes again three times. Notice how it feels in your body. Then create a symbol of something in your life that is an absolute non-negotiable truth and a yes and write this down, right? And then do the same thing for the word no. And then you can go back and reflect, what did it feel like to feel yes in your body? What did it feel like to feel no in your body, right? And then you have these two symbols that you can also create words for. This is what it feels like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it looks like to feel yes, to know yes. This is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like. This is what it looks like to feel no. And so this is also a spectrum. It can be an absolute yes it can be an absolute no. Sometimes it's somewhere in the middle. Unless there's an emergency or a deadline, usually when it's in the middle, that means it's not time to make a decision yet. 
And this can be used for going through the grocery store. Like sometimes I will literally stand in front of my fridge and ask my body, okay, what do you want right now? And I know what it feels like to be a yes. This is the life-giving thing versus I know what it feels like to feel no when my body is like, probably not, like even if it's going to taste good for a second. So we we have this, it's mm-hmm. like this internal compass inside of us. So it can be used for deciding what to nourish yourself with to deciding where you want to move and make your home. For time's sake, I just condensed that exercise. And I would invite you to, if you choose to explore this listeners, carve out a minimum of, of 20 minutes to explore this exercise and, and notice what it feels like in your body. And yeah, I would love to hear any reflections too, if you, if you do decide to do this. So that is one of many, many tools to, to get in, to get back into touch with this ability to discern because we're using our brain for this exercise to have a conversation with our body to then make a decision to discern. Yes. Using the body as a divination tool, really. It's so, so fantastic. What do you do with the visuals? Can you explain a little bit more? Like I, you externalize them by drawing them or, or d- using them, but do you do anything else with them? Or is that just part of the process of consecrating the awareness of where yes and no lives in your body? What I like to do, what I like to invite people to do with the visual. So once you have the visual, distill it down to one word. So I'll give you an example. The first time that I did this exercise, my yes was I saw myself in the middle of a field of sage surrounded by aspen trees out Mm. in Montana. And that feeling that I get when I'm out there is just aligned mind, body, heart, absolute yes. (laughs) And so my word for my yes and that feeling that being in that environment gave me was Aspen. And so at the other end of the spectrum during that time, I was in a relationship that wasn't serving me or the other person. I was in a job that was not aligned. My body was giving me clear messages that it was no longer where I was supposed to be. I was living in an environment that also wasn't conducive to thriving. And so distilled this down to the word stuck. And I knew exactly what that felt like in my body. And then what I did was I drew an arrow. And on the pointy end of the arrow, I wrote the word Aspen. And on the the other end of the arrow, I wrote the word stuck, right? To remind me that this is a spectrum. Sometimes it's absolutely at one end or the other, and sometimes it's somewhere in the middle. And this is an exercise that can be revisited over and over and over again. And the absolute yes and the absolute no can change, right? And this is also meant to be done from a place of curiosity, not from a place of landing on an end result, releasing the grip of the reins of control and trying to manipulate every single outcome as a human, allowing it to happen and allowing our body and our mind to work together in communion so that we can discern that which is nature reminds us all the time. Nature grows towards that which gives it life. Nature grows towards that which expands it, right? This feeling of yes, opening, expansive. 
So when we start to feel that feeling of contraction and maybe more of like a seductive or a quick fix sort of energy, that's information too. And yeah, you can play with this throughout the day. I I love playing with this when, especially when I'm in the grocery store or any decision that I'm about to make, like how does this feel before I'm about to send this text message? How does this wording feel about this conversation? What is my intention for having this conversation? Is it feeling more life-giving or is it feeling more contracting? Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for that elucidation. And so you think about where like you mentally kind of visualize where on the spectrum it feels. You're like feeling into where on the continuum. Is that the exercise, so to speak? Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Some people are more visual. Some people are more auditory. Some people are more. So what this exercise does is it allows you to tap into the visual aspect if that works for you, the saying it out loud aspect if that works for you, the and then the feeling it in your body regardless and what that looks like. And to, to create new habits, right, it's helpful to have a reminder that's going to remind us to partake in this this new habit that we are desiring to create. So the visual is really helpful in that regards too. If you put these two words somewhere where you can see them every day as a reminder to check in, does this feel like a yes? Does this feel like a no? Does this feel somewhere in between? I love that. I love that layer of the visual. And like you said, if you're less visual, then you think, okay, in my body, my heart is yes. And feeling something in my right foot is no. It's so great because we all are so different, right? And how we experience our intuition, because that's really a beautiful way to access your intuition. So thank you for that offering for our listeners. I'd love to ask you as we start to wrap up, if you would be so kind to share a poem, some of your words, because you are a really, really exceptional writer. And so that would just be such a soothing and uplifting experience for the listeners to hear your work as a benediction. Thank you so much for that. I'm honored to be receiving those words of affirmation from you, as I know that words are very important to you and and one of your arts as well. So thank you for that. And I would be I would be honored to share a piece, a poem. There's one that's coming to me in particularly right now to to speak to that that fire in in our bones, that calling, if you will, that sometimes is a whisper and sometimes is a roar a roar and all of it is welcome. And it's all information, right? Just like you were saying about those signposts. So this piece is called The Fire in My Bones. This fire in my bones. That which no longer feeds her has become ash to the earth. No longer a temptation to consume. Rediscovering hunger, numb, dissolves. Feeling the sharp edges and the nourishing moss beneath my feet. No longer will I trade one for the other. This is my path. Where would you have me go? What 
would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? I am alive when I heed the call of knowing, coming home to truth, coming home to me. Listen, this fire is the whisper of your soul. Mm. Listen, this whisper is the fire to your soul, friends. Listen, the radical act of listening will deliver you to your own wildness and to the own animal of your soft being, we promise. <laughs> Thank you so much for that word, medicine. Tara, that was really, really very, very beautiful and poignant. Tara, where can folks find out about you and your work and words in this world? Thank you for asking, Kilkenny. And thank you again for the absolute honor of being a part of this conversation and getting to contribute to this platform that you're providing to individuals all over the world. Thank you. To answer your question, so the, the best ways to connect with me, my website is greatabidingyoga.com. And on there, you can find poetry. <laughs> you can find adventures. You can find more information about yoga, about life coaching, and a myriad of other of other things as well. On social media, Great Abiding Yoga. I'm regularly sharing poetry on there as well, in addition to upcoming events and reflections and, and words and signing up for my newsletter, which you can also access on my website as well, is a really great way to to stay up to date with upcoming events also i send out a monthly newsletter with more embodied words as well in addition to poetry so uh, and i would love to love to stay connected and would be happy to answer any questions that anyone has as well so thank you for that kilkenny Absolutely. And I have a quick, a quick question. I want to ask you one more question, which I never, I don't think yes. I've ever done that in my, you know, 69 <laughs> episodes. And we just wow, didn't I'm get honored. to it. I have a lot of things to, to talk about with you. But do you have any, just one little practice you could share with people who want to write poems mm. or some kind of poetry, because you are so gifted. So do you have any little practice that we can take away as a little party favor. That is such a beautiful question. And I'm so honored to receive that question, Kilkenny. And two things just came to me. And one is go to the quiet places and listen. And the second is get out of your own way. And those come from a place of... And just start to write. Yes, yeah. So my, I don't have any formal writing training at all. I started writing when I became a bird and started flying all over the place. And one of the ways that I would come back to my own gravity on airplanes is by taking out a journal that my mom and my dad gifted me. It said Wanderlust on the cover when I started, when I started traveling and teaching. So it wasn't with any 
desired outcome. I literally would open to the next Blake page and, and would listen. And so go to the quiet places without attachment to any outcome. Listen and get out of your own way. It's, it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about you. It's not. It's about what we are allowing to to flow through us. Yeah. So listeners, what I'm hearing from you that's so wise is, and then I'll just add, which is like adding a Sunday with a cherry on top, another strawberry on top, because <laughs> you've already said so many beautiful <laughs> things, but it's like, for like, remember to do your practices, like connect yourself to source, to your essential self. I'm saying all these that are synonyms to your own wildness first do some practices or do something, go out in nature and then open up to writing. And she's saying, A, just do it. Get out of your own way. Just do it. And B, really listen. Do that Olympic listening and really see what pours through, you know, and, and without judgment, you just allow it, allow it to flow, put it down unabashed. And I think that's really wild, right? To be really unafraid because no one's going to read it. No one's going to, you know, you don't, no one has to read it. So just let it flow, let it flow and practice. And what I hear too that you do is you're so well read. So another thing I would add to that is read people and then you write every day. So you really, that that's cardio. Like you're doing, you're doing a, ver, you're doing verbal cardio by writing every day. I'm not writing every day. So I mean, I'm writing my, my, my list of thank yous, but I'm not writing like you are every day in the same way. So I want to honor that, that you're really doing that. And that's a, that's a profound practice, which is refining your, your, your tool. So beautiful. Well, I am so grateful because Tara is offering to all my Mystic Monthly members a live free yoga class. You teach that once a month, correct, Tara? Mm-hmm. Yep, generally once a month. And that, that can be found on my website as well, but you're going to link it in the show notes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'll link it to my members. So I have we have um, like a private membership. So my members will get yes. that. But it sounds yes. like friends who want to purchase that can do that as well, who are listening. Mm-hmm. Yep. For my listeners, I have an exciting announcement that if you go to modernmystic.love, which is my website, forward slash energy, I am dropping this week a new seven-minute video on how to protect your energy. Really concrete things you can do to help with your energy management. I have a whole section on my membership of Mystic Hacks where I talk about this, but I've gotten so many questions and, and just worked with so many people, clients this past summer through the fall who are, who are struggling with this. So I decided to make this this freebie, freebie to support people. So again, it's modernmystic.love forward slash energy. And you'll get that seven minute video where I go into great detail to give you a real concrete skill set of how to work with protecting and managing your energy. I also have a new meditation for folks, modernmystic.love forward slash free meditation. So this is an offering for folks. If you'd like a free meditation, it's 12 minutes approximately, and then a free yoga class. So that's modernmystic.love forward slash free yoga. That's an asana class with alignment-based yoga. With yours truly, it's 30 minutes. So those are all new for my listeners because I'm just so grateful. We just are, are blowing it up with the amount of listeners we have. And so these three gifts are just my gifts. Thank you all. So definitely go grab them. And Tara, I'm just so 
so happy that we we met this lifetime and we just connected and and like I said, as soon as I heard you speak, I had I had set an intention to the universe. Okay, I'm going to meet my my next guest here. I just know it. And um, I was teaching at this festival, and then the last the last what two hours? Yeah, we connected, and I was like, "Yep, it's her." So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. So so many blessings to you and your work. Thank you, Kilkenny. It's truly been an honor, and I appreciate you and everything that you're providing to countless souls. And I look so forward to continuing to nurture the seed of connection. Mm -hmm. Namaste. Mm -hmm. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over a hundred alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes. So you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention my mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.